With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
those who were under doctor's care, bless those Lord who were in in the hospital and those behind prison walls and those Lord mental institutions. Touch them now, Lord. Bless them, Lord. Oh Lord, remember those Lord who on highways and byways this morning. Remember those Lord those men and women who who serve to protect our policemen, police officers, our sheriffs, our state patrol, state policemen. We lift up them up to you, Lord. We lift up those, Lord, who are on the streets, Lord, especially those who, who, who Prostitutes, we lift them up to you, Lord. We lift up that drug dealer. We lift up that person who's doing drugs. We do drugs now. We lift up that family who's going through this. We lift them up to you as well, Lord. We lift up those, Lord, who are going to go to church this morning. Lord, bless that preacher man, a preacher man who's going to bring the word today in the, in the various house of God. Bless our friends. Bless my wife, Lord. Our friends, our acquaintances, our neighbors, our church family, our family, and those who surround ourselves. Bless the best Lord, touch your body in the name of Jesus. Bless the servant, try to do your will. Bless those talk to you in January, Lord. We thank you. We thank you for one more day. In Jesus' name.
to introduce this week's preacher. Here's our host, Peter Wallace. Thank you, Sherry. Today on day one, we're honored to have with us the Reverend Dr. Christopher Garada, Rector of St. Michael and All Angels Episcopal Church in Dallas, Texas. Prior to that, he was Associate Rector of St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Birmingham, Alabama, and a seminarian at the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C., and St. John's in Chevy Chase, Maryland. A graduate of Stetson University, Chris earned a Master of Theological Studies degree from Emory University, a Master of Divinity degree from Virginia Theological Seminary, and a Doctor of Ministry degree from Duke University. Chris, welcome to day one. It's a pleasure to be back, Peter. You were last with us a little over two years ago when you were still serving in Memphis at Calvary Episcopal Church. So you've come through a major transition. What drew you to St. Michael and All Angels in Dallas? Well, I love being in Memphis. The people at Calvary were fantastic, doing excellent ministry Mm -hmm. for all those in need in their community. And St. Michael is really doing a similar thing in Dallas. Even though St. Michael is a younger church, they have really owned doing ministry in the world. They Mm -hmm. really owned the way that Christ calls us into the world to care for those in need, to love our neighbors, every single one of them. And the ministry they were doing was super attractive. And Dallas, as a growing city, had a huge amount of energy. It is entrepreneurial and looking for vision, and I just wanted to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. What are some of the aspects of the ministry there in the community or elsewhere that you hope to build on? Although St. Michael started as a small little church out in the boonies of (laughs) Dallas just 70 years ago, it has grown to become a really large Episcopal church. And as they grew, they saw new opportunities, how they could use their strength and their capital to really help those in the community. And so the first thing that happened with St. Michael is part of the Women of St. Michael. So Women of St. Michael is like an ECW at any other Episcopal church, except it's big. Mm -hmm. And they've done a lot of work over the years, particularly with the St. Michael Women's Exchange. It is a storefront, a retail gift shop, a fine gift shop, and the women volunteer their time to both shop for and stock and sell everything in the store. Mm -hmm. And they raise hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to give in grants to the community, to nonprofits and other groups that are doing incredible work. And so they had that long history. And then about 20 years ago, they decided that rather than invest in their campus and perhaps build a big thing, that they would, on their 50th anniversary, go into the community to the most desperate need they could identify Mm -hmm. and invest themselves in community change. And so they did that in an area of South Dallas near Fair Park that they renamed Jubilee. And so the Jubilee Park and Community Center was founded 20 years ago by members of St. Michael that had this incredible vision of real community change to go deeply into one place rather than going shallow all over the place. And 20 years later, Jubilee Park has become a model for the way that communities can be transformed when a relatively small group of people from one church in the city decided to cast a wide vision over an entire 62-block area of space to change the lives there. And it's, it's really incredible. And so that legacy continues into the future as well. Your church recently hosted an interfaith panel discussion that drew nearly 1,000 people. Tell us about that. This was really a great event and something that was pretty new to St. Mm-hmm. Michael. Obviously, interfaith panels are nothing really new, but to host at St. Michael was something that really hadn't been done before. But St. Michael had great relationships 
with Temple Emmanuel, which is a very large Jewish community, faith community, um, just north of our church. And because of that relationship, I think we had the confidence to really go forward with this panel. And I had mentioned the women of St. Michael earlier, and this was an event that they hosted. And the leadership of the women's group had gone downtown to Dallas during Lent a year ago and had experienced a panel like this and loved it. Mm. And they came to me knowing that my background was in comparative religion Mm -hmm. and asked if I'd be willing to be a part of this panel, and I jumped at the opportunity to do it. And so I was joined by a rabbi and an imam, and the three of us just sat up front and talked to each other, sort of had kind of a faith nerd moment together, (laughs) and it was great. And and like you said, nearly a 1,000 people were there physically, and so many more have watched the recording mm. online, and you can still do so. It was it was really good fun. St. Michael and All Angels also has some distinctive worship services. Explain those for us and why you offer different approaches to worship. So we have eight services between mm. Saturday night and Sunday night every weekend. And those eight services, really every single one of them have a different flavor. Mm-hmm. We try to unite different communities in worship together, whether that is families with very young children, families with elementary or middle school age children, uh, people who want a contemporary style of worship, people who want a very traditional style of worship, and everything in between. And one of the things that we have done in the last couple of years is really hone and refine how each service worships God, mm-hmm. so that if you like it this week, you're going to like it again next week. And if you don't like it this week, you're not going to like it next week, <laughs> and that every service really has its own identity, and that, I think, helps create consistency. Mm. When you know how worship will be and you know that the experience will remain similar week to week, perhaps seasonal adjustments, but that the fundamentals will be the same, I think it keeps people engaged longer. So, Chris, has it been much of a cultural shift for you to go from Memphis to Dallas? I would imagine there may be a great deal of arguments about barbecue. Oh, barbecue. <laughs> you know, I love being in Texas. And, you know, as, as people say, I mean, I have been born in Texas, but I got there as fast as I could. But I have to say that the brisket's good, <laughs> but the pork Memphis wins when it comes to the pork. So we just simply keep it separate, right? (laughs) Memphis, it's pork, and Texas, it's brisket, and everybody's happy. You know, I grew up in the South, sort of. Florida is kind of a hybrid, Mm -hmm. similarly to the way Texas is a hybrid. And although I've been in plenty of southern cities, Atlanta, Birmingham, and Memphis, Dallas feels a bit more like home in in a way. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's got some of those southern characteristics, but perhaps tweaked in a unique way. You know, Texas is not like anywhere else, sort of how Florida is not like anywhere else. There's a uniqueness to it that is, is apparent, and we've really enjoyed being in that kind of environment. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, there is just a real can-do spirit. I mean, this city wants to continue to grow, continue to engage, continue to become whatever it is becoming, and I think the faith community in Dallas has a lot to contribute, Mm -hmm. and St. Michael is one of those leaders and will continue to be. Well, this Sunday is Palm Sunday, and we'll enter into the experience of Holy Week. This is such a pivotal time in the life of the church and in the ministry of Jesus, and your sermon is based on the gospel text for Palm Sunday from Mark chapter 11. Would you read it for us? Be happy to. Gospel of the Lord according to Mark 
chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. When they were approaching Jerusalem, at Bethpage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Just say this, The Lord needs it and will send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, What are you doing, untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Chris, we look forward to learning more about this in your sermon, Parade of Grace. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. churches, today is not only Palm Sunday, but Passion Sunday as well. Now, although I am certainly no expert on liturgical history, I do know that if people attend church, most people only attend church on Sundays. Even on weeks such as the one we enter today, the holiest of weeks, most people will only attend worship services today and next Sunday. So I agree that the experience of those who only worship on Sundays is enhanced and deepened by hearing the passion story today before we hear the resurrection story next week. Yet for me, I believe we lose an incredibly valuable moment if we do not focus on the palm part of this Sunday. Most preachers will be preaching on the incredibly rich passion story today. But back in Dallas at my home parish of St. Michael and All Angels, we will be celebrating Palm Sunday alone with all the festivities of a real glorious sacred parade we will save the blessed story of Jesus' passion for Holy Week. So today, I'll be focusing on the story we just heard, the story of the palms, and I'll just trust that you'll go to church at least once more this week. To begin, I want to put this story into context, not only the biblical story of Jesus' life, but in the importance of this moment to early Christ followers. The story of the palm procession that we just heard is one of the only stories of Jesus that can be found in all four Gospels. Now, that fact alone should perk us up, calling our attention to the important nature of this story. Now, when I was a child, I loved Palm Sunday because I got to play with something in church. Now, be honest. You all know what I mean, and you know that the fun of playing with a toy in church isn't lost on adults. I can remember tying the palm swords into small crosses with my mother in the pews, And just last year, I sat with a few dozen of the ladies in our St. Michael Altar Guild, tying thousands of palm crosses in advance of this festival day. Palm Sunday is an opportunity for us to really play church, to celebrate the profound truth of Christ in all the liturgical glory we can muster. Whether we parade around our churches today or simply wave palms in the air from our seats, 
Today is a physically different experience than other days, and this difference is not an accident. Make no mistake, Jesus meant for today to be different, to be special. Jesus meant for this parade to change the world. Now, if we aren't careful, we can easily skip over the first seven verses of this chapter and get to the good stuff, to the parade. But I want to call our attention back to how carefully Jesus prepares ahead of time. Step by step, Jesus plans his dramatic entry into Jerusalem. I cannot think of another moment in Jesus' story, any other point in time in any of the Gospels, when Jesus spends as much time preparing to do anything as much as he prepares for his ride into Jerusalem. For Jesus, this moment is huge. This parade is critical to his mission, and he doesn't want anything left to chance. And if we read just behind the words, I imagine Jesus sends an advanced team to gather leafy branches, to organize people along the street, and to make sure that this parade he made would get everyone's attention. And that brings me to perhaps my favorite aspect of this moment. Jesus wants a spectacle. Jesus wants to be seen. Jesus wants to get everyone's attention, especially those who believe they have divine power. Now, what I just said may not seem like a major idea at first, but the idea that Jesus wanted attention and spectacle has become very important to my understanding of Jesus and my own discipleship. When I first visited the Holy Land, I walked up the Mount of Olives through the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus would gather his followers and teach them these sacred truths. And what I noticed right away is that anyone on the Temple Mount, anyone in and around the Temple, would have been able to see straight across the Kidron Valley to where Jesus was preaching and teaching. Anyone, including the chief priests and political leaders, would have been able to clearly see that Jesus was gathering huge crowds. They would have known that Jesus was teaching the ideas they found heretical, and Jesus made sure to do so right under their noses. Jesus was not really the sweet, pastoral, docile rabbi I had heard about when I was a child. No, Jesus was truly antagonistic, challenging the leaders on their home turf. And today's parade into the city was the pinnacle moment of that gloriously antagonistic agenda. Jesus was mocking the powerful, openly criticizing the strong, and celebrating the simple grace of God. Can you picture the scene? Jesus, a grown man, climbs upon a young colt. He would have looked ridiculous, certainly not proud and strong as victors who typically marched in such a parade. And as he rode through the streets, people would have been waving simple tree branches, not the grand banners of a king or emperor. In every way, this parade mocked the ways in which the leaders of the day put their power on display. And in every way, Jesus would be pointing to the true power of God, a true power that is found in humility, in vulnerability, and in grace. We have all likely heard that Jesus came to turn our notions of power and strength upside down. But perhaps we need to hear that again in a new way. Our Christian identity is one that many of us take for granted. For many of us, we have grown up in the church, formed by what we tacitly believe is a Christian culture. But our world is most certainly not Christ-like. We all live in a world that seeks to claim the truth that only Jesus brings in all aspects of our life, 
leaders claim moral and ethical authority without any sense of the greatest truth. And living in this world is a great challenge to our faith. Now let me say that claiming any truth is dangerous. I'd certainly like to claim my own ideas as the real truth, but I know better than that. Claiming truth is human nature. We naturally seek to identify and claim an ultimate truth because we seek the comfort and the confidence that truth brings. But today, we see that the ultimate truth, the truth that Jesus points to, is so far from our normal desires, far from our basic human condition. The truth Jesus points to is not pride or perfection or judgment, but humility, vulnerability, and grace. The truth that Jesus points to is the truth that God loves us just as we are and loves us enough not to leave us there. What is truly on display today is a parade of grace. Jesus prepares to march into the center of life and culture, the center of his earthly power and authority with a vulnerability that will ultimately get him killed. This is not the kind of parade we naturally seek out, but this parade of grace is one that will fulfill and redeem us in every way, one that will meet our every need, and one that will save us from every evil. Today, the parade that Jesus leads is an opportunity for each of us, truly a grand invitation to every one of us to be changed for the good. Jesus' parade is one that will change the world, and he's calling each one of us to join him. As we enter this holy week, Jesus is calling to us, trying to get our attention by creating a true spectacle. Can you hear the beat of his grace parade? That rhythm is for you, and that rhythm is for me. Let's join him. Amen. preacher today was the Reverend Dr. Christopher Garada, Rector of St. Michael and All Angels Episcopal Church in Dallas, Texas. His message for Palm Sunday is entitled Parade of Grace. For a free printed transcript, call us toll-free at 1-888-411-DAY1. That's 888-411-3291. Or write to us at day one 2715 Peachtree Road, Atlanta, Georgia, 30305. And remember, Day One depends on our listeners' financial contributions to continue this unique ministry. If you appreciate the Day One program, please consider sending a donation. We're always grateful for your support. I'm Sherry Miller. Next week, as we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord on Easter Day, Dr. Chris Garotta returns with a sermon entitled, Get Up and Live. Be sure to tune in for this inspiring message next time on Day One. reflections on today's message with our host, Peter Wallace. Chris, as you pointed out, what this whole 
parade, this Palm Sunday parade, shows us is that Jesus was challenging the political and the religious leaders. He was mocking the powerful, openly criticizing the strong, and celebrating the simple grace of God. He was making fun of the Romans in their military parades as a way to point to the true power of God, a power that you told us is found in humility and in vulnerability and in grace. So in that regard, how should we follow in his footsteps today in humility, vulnerability, and grace? That's a great question because I think it's really difficult for Americans especially mm-hmm. to understand what I would consider the real power of the gospel to transform our reality into something different. And I think what's difficult about that is that most of us like our reality. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe not perfect, and there are certainly things that many of us would change, but there is a hopefulness about the gospel message that what we see now, what our life is like now, is not all there is, and that it gets better, mm-hmm. right? That we are empowered by God to really bring about God's kingdom on earth. And people who have been oppressed or repressed throughout time have resonated with this idea. But mm-hmm. I think that for many of us in this country, it just is difficult to wrap our brains around because we don't necessarily feel that tangible oppression every day. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. certainly there are groups of people in this country who experience oppression and repression, no question. And I think the more you do, the more the liberation of the gospel really makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think that for those communities that aren't necessarily feeling that regularly, it's a challenge to make sense of what Jesus is really doing here. And by emphasizing that Jesus is really trying to mock the powerful, Mm -hmm. to mock the leadership of the day in order to bring about change, those of us who might find ourselves most often in those roles should feel a bit, you know, uncomfortable when we read something like this. You said what is truly on display today is a parade of grace. Jesus prepares to march into the center of life and culture, the center of earthly power and authority with a vulnerability that will ultimately get him killed. It's it's not the kind of parade you said that we naturally seek out. So why should we join him in it? No, we don't seek out parades in which we might die. <laughs> I think yes. it's just natural, right? We don't like to put ourselves in positions where we are truly vulnerable. And yet Jesus calls us into that kind of vulnerability. Jesus calls us to be part of the parade, not to just observe it. And that's really critical, I think, to understand in this moment is that the way the powerful, the way the Romans had these parades is that the people just watched. Mm. Only the real strong were able to be in the parade. And Jesus flips that on his head. There are people who can choose not to be in the parade, but those who are weak, those who are ill, those who are outcast and outliers of the community – They're invited in. Everyone Mm. is a part of this parade if they choose to be. Chris, what's one thing from your sermon today that you hope our listeners will keep in mind in the days ahead? Back to the idea of the parade. Jesus wants our attention. Our lives are so busy. We have so much going on. We are so over-programmed and distracted that sometimes it takes a spectacle. Mm. Sometimes it takes an antagonistic spectacle to get our attention. And even though sometimes it's silly to wave palm branches or to march around your church, we're called to do that kind of thing because it changes us. It actually shakes us awake a bit. And so as we enter Holy Week, what I want people to remember is that Jesus is inviting us into something different 
not to be too comfortable because what Jesus promises us is a difference that matters, a difference that is transformative to who we are and our world, and that transformation needs us. How can we be a part of that work? How can we change the way we live and tweak the way we live in order to accept Jesus' invitation into that parade? Chris Garada, thank you for being with us, and we look forward to having you back next week for Easter. Thank you, Peter. Day One is the voice of America's mainline Protestant churches. Visit us online at dayone.org. Our program is recorded and edited by Donald Jones and produced by Peter Wallace. Thank you for joining us. I'm Sherry Miller wishing you all God's blessings on Day One and forever.
of a potentially perfect parent brought to you by adoptuskids.org. I might look like an adult, like a person who could possibly be a parent, but I have no idea how to talk like one. And everyone knows that if you want to be a parent, you have to sound good when you say things like, don't make me turn this car around, or because I said so, or don't make me come back there. I don't even really know what those things mean. But I know that I actually believed my parents when they said them to me. How did they manage to sound so convincing? Here we go. Don't make me come back there. No, that's not tough enough at all. Kids can sense weakness. Don't make me come back there. Ooh, yeah, that's better. In fact, that kind of sounded like my dad. Weird. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who would love to listen to you practice your dad voice. Call 1-888-200-4005 or visit adoptuskids.org for more information. This message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt Us Kids, and the Ad Council. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to introduce a man who needs no introduction. His credits are too long to live. He has done the impossible time after time. He has out of a manger in Bethlehem, Jerusalem, by way of heaven. His mother is still headlining 
that has been on the bestseller list since the beginning of time. He holds the record for the world's greatest fish fry. He fed 5,000 hungry souls with two fish, five loaves of bread. He can walk on water, turn water into wine. No special effects, no camera tricks. He has a head shot on every church fan across the country. Even before the kings of comedy, he was hailed the king of all kings. Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, the bright and the morning star. Some say he's the rose of Sharon, and some say he's the Prince of Peace. Get up on your feet. Put your hands together and show your love for the second coming of the one and only. God is
this is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
Free good morning to you and yours, hello, King. Thanks for hanging out with me. This is your early Sunday morning gospel program. Morning inspirations. Good morning. W Mind Block Radio. Turn it up.
Jesus, willing to speak the truth when it's not popular.
Patricia's boss. He was distant, abrupt, even rude. Is it my fault, Trish wondered? Something I've done? Unable to ask her boss, Trish talked to herself. When there's something you don't know, she said, focus on what you do know. Trish knew her job. She continued to meet deadlines, find solutions, and smooth her boss's way. The tension passed, and Trish never learned what was wrong. She did, however, learn again how to deal with the unknown. This is Howard Budd, Jr. of Laity Lodge. When there's something you can't know, go back to what you do know. The Psalms say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? As Christians, we do know not to fear in the high calling of our daily work. For more information, visit ourdailywork.org. Looking for a lift? Experience a seed from the sower with Michael Guido of Metter, Georgia. Her house was burning and the firemen raced to put out the fire. But she tripped one and stopped another. Ma'am, asked the chief, how do you want your house? Medium, rare, or well done? She wanted her house saved, but on her own terms. And there are many who want their souls saved, but on their own terms. If you're to be saved, it must be by God's terms. It's not by trying, but by trusting. Not by reformation, but by regeneration. Not by the church, but by Christ. Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. For your free copy of Dr. Guido's daily devotional, Seeds from the Sower, write The Sower, Metter, Georgia, 30439. Visit us on the web at thesower.com. Hey, churchgoers. Looking for the little morning inspiration? Well, listen to Morning Inspirations and the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
Common and Faithfulness. Don't forget tonight at 8 p.m. It's Nation Talk. It's Media Day on Nation Talk. Tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on Talk Show and Jam Radio. Rich is just a really, really, really good guy. The term good egg isn't enough to describe him. He's also certified organic and free range. Rich puts the cap back on everything. The toothpaste, the olive oil, the shampoo, everything. He lets his 10-year-old nephew beat him at virtual tennis, even though he can straight up slay his 10-year-old nephew in virtual tennis. When the toilet paper is running low, Rich replaces the roll on the actual holder, not just on the back of the toilet. Rich is texting and driving. Rich, no. What are you doing, Rich? I was just telling everyone how great you are. Texting and driving makes good people look bad. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. The following is a presentation of God Questions Ministries. Is salvation by faith alone or by faith plus works? This is perhaps the most important question in all of Christian theology. This question is the cause of the Reformation, the split between the Protestant churches and the Catholic Church. This question is a key difference between biblical Christianity and most of the Christian cults. Is salvation by faith alone or by faith plus works? Am I saved just by believing in Jesus, or do I have to believe in Jesus and do certain things? The question of faith alone or faith plus works is made difficult by some hard-to-reconcile Bible passages. Compare Romans 3, verse 28, and Galatians 3, verse 24, with James 2, verse 24. Some see a difference between Paul, salvation which is by faith alone, and James, salvation which is by faith plus works. Paul dogmatically says that justification is by faith alone, Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, while James appears to be saying that justification is by faith plus works. This apparent problem is answered by examining what exactly James is talking about. James is refuting the belief that a person can have faith without producing any good works. James 2, verses 17 and 18. James is emphasizing the point that genuine faith in Christ will produce a changed life and good works. James 2, verses 20 through 26. James is not saying that justification is by faith plus works, but rather that a person who is truly justified by faith will have good works in his or her life. If a person claims to be a believer but has no good works in his or her life, then he or she likely does not have genuine faith in Christ. James 2, verses 14, 20, and 26. Paul says the same thing in his writings. The good fruit believers should have in their lives is listed in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. Immediately after telling us that we are saved by faith, not works, Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, Paul informs us that we are created to do good works, verse 10. Paul expects just as much of a changed life as James does. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. James and Paul do not disagree in their teaching regarding salvation. They approach the same subject from different perspectives. Paul simply emphasized that justification is by faith alone, while James put emphasis on the fact that genuine faith in Christ produces good works. 
God Questions Ministry seeks to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by providing biblical answers to today's questions. Online at gotquestions.org.
that my trust in you tonight is not in vain. I believe that as Christ was raised from the dead, so tonight, Almighty God, you are raising me from the dead, from the death of sin. You are giving me a new life, the life of Jesus Christ. Oh God, on my testimony and the belief in my heart and according to your word, at this moment, I believe I am saved. I am saved. I am saved. Hallelujah. Oh, let me ask you, friends, in closing tonight, have you done this? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you come to that obedience of faith? Have you come to that place of true repentance and true faith? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? Are you trusting alone tonight in Jesus Christ for your salvation? For there is no other way, there is no other message. For there is no other way, there is no other message. Oh, come to him, come to the Saviour tonight. Come to him just as you are. Come to him in your sin. Come to him in all your needs. And cast yourself upon his mercy and upon his infinite grace. Cast yourself upon his mercy and upon his infinite grace. Cast yourself truly to him. And you too will enter into that joy of sins forgiven, peace with God, and eternal, abundant life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you. 
going to do it for your children until tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time for Nation Talk. The Sunday evening form. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday. Enjoy it. And we'll see you at church near you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.